Hello and welcome to the second episode in Series 5 of TechBull. Remember, this is a regular technology bulletin podcast. Please don't expect anything else from the Bull abbreviation. Ha ha. Remember, this series of TechBull will be covering tech news, tips and tricks across various operating systems. The last episode was all about the forthcoming Microsoft Windows 11, so it seems only fair that I should mention a forthcoming Linux release. In effect, Windows 11 is currently a beta offering. The net continues to buzz about TPM and processors and the likelihood of you being able to upgrade from Windows 10. So, before moving on to the forthcoming Linux release, let me bring you fresh up to date on Windows 11. I have a Windows 10 laptop which I just know will not satisfy the technical requirements to upgrade to Windows 11. Nevertheless, for research purposes, I downloaded the app that would check my system over to see if it was compatible. Rather annoyingly, the app is just a rehash of a Microsoft PC health check that has been around a while, but now includes the Windows 11 upgrade checker. When I ran it, it announced that my laptop could not be upgraded because it did not have secure boot. And that was it. That poses a number of questions which I'll only guess at the answers. Was this check carried out fully comprehensive? Did it check what my processor was? Did it check whether I had TPM and what version? The answer to these questions must be no. I am sure that if I had passed the secure boot test, it would have gone on to checking one of the other criteria. Very sloppy programming, I call it. A good program, well written, would have checked all criteria and submitted a comprehensive report stating what would be required to make the device compatible with Windows 11. If the installation routine is just as sloppy, then many people could get terribly frustrated when trying to upgrade. Why would someone like Microsoft promote such a compatibility checker at this stage if there are plans to improve the checker and installation routine. Since preparing this podcast, Microsoft have pulled their compatibility checker after so many complaints. They say they will be re-engineering it and launching sometime in the future. I have just found a program called whynotwin11.exe which you can search for on the net and download and run at your own risk. I did so, and of the 11 criteria that needs to be satisfied, it correctly reported all those where my device was fine and those where it wasn't. Now why the heck couldn't Microsoft have produced a similar tool? Enough of Windows 11 for the time being. No doubt I will give it further coverage as the weeks go by. Let us now talk Linux Mint. These days, Linux Mint comes packaged 
with three different flavours or desktop environments. Check out Season 2, Episode 2 if you are unsure what a desktop environment is. The three environments are Cinnamon, Mate and Zoffice, which is spelled X for X-Ray, F for Foxtrot, C for Charlie and E for Echo, but which I pronounce as Zoffice. I have chosen to mention Linux Mint for two main reasons. One, it is probably one of the most easiest for Windows users to transition to insofar as the user interface is generally fairly easy to become accomplished quite quickly. And the second reason is because it's newsworthy insofar as they have a new beta version out now which will be very quickly converted to a main version if history is anything to go by. The new version is called UMA or 20.2. UMA is regarded as a long-term release and as such once it comes out of beta then it will receive security updates until 2025. In the intervening years Linux Mint makes it very easy to upgrade to the interim versions. To install and run Linux Mint, your device will need a minimum of 1GB of RAM, but ideally 2GB for a comfortable experience. If you have more, even better. Now, compare that with Windows 11, which requires 4GB as a minimum. You will need a minimum of 15GB disk space but 20 gigabyte would be better. Compare that with Windows 11, which requires 64 gigabyte minimum space just to install it. In the vast majority of cases, there is no need to worry about your monitor or any graphics capabilities. If you do happen to have some superior extra graphics cards, then Linux Mint may need some extra tweaking post-install to take full advantage of it. I will now cover the new features of UMA which are in addition or replace the many extensive features that already exist. Remember, these are operating system features, not applications as such. But UMA also comes complete with most of the applications you will ever need and with lots of others on tap awaiting installation. Of course, there's an update manager and UMA has improved it to include the updating of applets, desklets, themes and extensions. Linux is renowned anywhere for the speed of its updates. Unlike Windows updates, typically take less than 20 minutes max. Aspects of the update process are configurable to make them fully automated, whilst others can be configured just to give very gentle reminders that updates are either available or necessary. A bulk file renaming utility is introduced called Bulky, which will allow loads of your files to be renamed to something you prefer, ideal for photographers in particular. 
There is a new sticky note utility replacing the previous one, allowing post-it style notes onto the desktop. And there is an improvement to Warpinator, which allowed files to be transferred between computers on the same wireless or wired network. Now it can be used to transfer files to and from Android devices also. There is also an inbuilt compression facility, which when enabled can make file transfers up to three times faster. There are many more I could mention, but to finish off, I will just mention Nemo, which is Linux Mint version of File Manager. It can now be used not only to search for file names, but also to find files that contain, say, certain keyword searches which you stipulate. Remember, if you're either disabled or elderly, you can ring AbilityNet, a UK charity who can make visits to your home if necessary or ring you to help you. Their free phone telephone number is 0800-048-7642. Their email address is enquiries at abilitynet.org.uk and their web address is www.abilitynet.org.uk and it's all free of charge. You may also find in the area where you live a friendly computer club with people who are willing to help. Talk to your local council. Stay safe.